Hello and welcome to the program. This is another podcast for The Diplomat and I am Luke Hunt and today with me in Phnom Penh is Vin Conklin who is the country director for the Solidarity Centre. Vim, hello, how are you? All right, good to be here. All right, now, you've handled a lot of negotiations, represented a lot of workers in Cambodia. Just give us a brief outline of what you do, inform the audience. Great. Well, first off, uh, I will say that we, we assist workers. We don't represent them right. in Cambodia. We, uh, we help uh, worker representatives and others. Um, but uh, backtrack, we're, the Solidarity Centre is the, uh, in Australia, you might know AFIDA, which is Union Aid Abroad uh, right. Australia. We're like Union Aid Abroad US. Basically, mm-hmm. we are the technical assistance arm of the American labor movement uh, that we help uh, you know, foster uh, and, and promote international labor standards around the world, help uh, partners, uh, primarily labor movements, but also associated uh, human rights and organizations and civil society, work, work with governments when we can, uh, work with uh, business when we can, uh, uh, to all to promote uh, uh, labor standards, uh, right. workplace equality, equity, a range of issues in, in the world of work. Right. Now, and of course, uh, we're living in the age of COVID. Cambodia is doing it very hard at the moment. We're both living in lockdowns mm-hmm. and we're able to record this because we happen to live in the same block. Uh, big clients of yours, uh, if that's the appropriate word, is the garment sector. Hundreds of thousands of Cambodians uh, work manufacturing garments. Uh, how are they coping with COVID and how do you see the industry shaping up? It's extraordinarily difficult times. Yes, as, as you're right. It's a, it's a, not just in Cambodia, it's around the world, obviously. As you know, the garment sector, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a sector we work in. Uh, is um, is uh, struggling, you know, um, from anywhere from obviously orders, uh, order placements, mm-hmm. lack of orders, to actually physically having factories running. Uh, the, whole, the whole occupational safety and health issues around COVID, uh, right. and it, so yes, it's a, it's a, how are the it, workers? I understand they're on half pay now. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. It's 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 been incredibly difficult this past year. Uh, you think about the first wave that hit in Cambodia, uh, fa- factories closed down, suspended work, uh, work, workers only got a certain amount of pay. This is last year, right? Go yep. so forward. There seemed to be, a, a, um, you know, the, there was a period, as you know, in Cambodia where it seemed that things were going well in Cambodia. Yep. Um, sure. and, and the factories were running orders seemed to be up. I mean, once the, economic hits happened around the world right uh you know the, the in economy people uh, got sorted out in, in the consumer economies around the world right um orders might have gone up uh, gone up and uh, but but still it's been very hard uh there's a lot of hardship this past year and then to get hit again starting in uh, february or so yeah. uh and for the past few months, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been yeah. very difficult. Just, I mean, from a, a range of issues, from the economic issues to mm-hmm. uncertainties yep. to health concerns, et cetera. Yeah. Just, to, just to put audiences in the picture, Cambodia had emerged relatively unscathed in the first year of the pandemic. In fact, it had only recorded about 450 cases. But then uh, there was a, the third community outbreak, which has been traced to uh, two Chinese women who breached quarantine on February 20. Since then, the numbers have gone from 450-odd to more than 12,000. The record high was on Thursday, but that was 880. Mm-hmm. And so people are quite fearful here. A lot of people have gone back to the villages 
and the factories have pretty much stopped production I, I, in nearly all places, I would imagine. I, yeah, and I think, well, in the lockdown areas, they have right. stock production. You know, you do have, uh, the garment industry, as you know, is, is located around Phnom Penh, the, yep. in Phnom Penh, and in the, in the provinces around Phnom Penh, uh, called the, you know, Kandal, or Kampong Chanang. But they also are spread out to Sihanoukville, mm. along the way to Sihanoukville. Down toward, the coast. Down, yeah, and also down towards the uh, Vietnamese border, right. with the uh, Swaring and Bavet. Mm-hmm. So you do have a certain amount of, of, of factories spread out. Right. And some might be uh, in production that are not in lockdown areas. Right. Have the garment manufacturers, have they done enough? I, I I think they're 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 concerned. Um, they GMAC, which is the Garment uh, Manufacturers Association, I think yep. they're working with UN agencies such as WHO and also Better Factories mm-hmm. to promote education about uh, safe work, uh, mm-hmm. say, and as well as promoting vaccines, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the the necessity of getting a vaccine. Sure, and the big distribution points yeah, when you yeah. have thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah, but there's also a lot of skepticism too. There's a lot of uh, uh, hesitancy, right. I think, among uh, people of getting vaccines as well. So I think there's a lot to overcome. How hard are they doing it? I know I've asked this question before, but we've had stories coming out of Cambodia of uh, people starving, which I think is a little bit over the top. There's certainly uh, issues with uh, food distribution uh, amid the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. How are the garment workers doing being locked down, I guess, in their in their own housing, which a lot of it's not great. Yeah, no, I think I think it, it would be difficult. Uh, I think the uh, markets have closed down in lockdown areas, and mm-hmm. and you think about this as, as Cambodia is a, a country where people go out and buy fresh food on a right. daily basis or every other day. Not to have those, uh, not to have that access to markets means, yeah, there, there's a uh, within a vacuum, people do do fill it up, and you do have vendors selling vegetables and things, yep. but. Prices are higher, right? I think it's a so when you're when you're not when you're on uh, when, when you're worried about your money uh, and you're getting paid uh, sort of half wages or you, 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 you know it's yeah. it just it just adds to a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people are probably eating um, instant noodles, other cheaper foods right. that don't have a lot as much nutritional value, etc. You can do it for a short time, but you don't want to do it for long periods of time. Sure, and I guess half pay would be the equivalent of about maybe a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, around that, around that, because because you also don't have overtime as well. Right, and also, about that, yeah. And then on top of that, a lot of the garment workers are responsible for um, funding the families. Yeah, back yeah, home yeah, 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 yeah. Funding the families as well as a lot of there's a lot of personal debt families mm-hmm. have, um, and that and one way one way to pay that off, pay the interest off, mm-hmm. is by is from the garment workers' salaries that they send home. Now the the government has. Asked uh, lenders and things for debt forgiveness right. or, or to postpone debt. Um, hopefully that that's, that happens. Also rents too yep. that they ask landlords either to, to certainly not to increase rents during this time, yep. but also to uh, if possible to lower rents or to postpone rent right. payments. But they depends on the situation of a landlord. I mean they may be relying on the rent money as well. Right. While we're on the subject of garment manufacturers specifically, mm-hmm. just as the pandemic was. Uh, starting to move, uh, the European Union uh, withdrew trade preferences mm-hmm. for Cambodia, and people were saying then, I think it was may could cost the country maybe a billion dollars, but then the pandemic on top of that, and then now this outbreak, which is proving extraordinarily costly, 
Uh, where does that leave uh, workers in Cambodia, in particular the garment manufacturers? How do you negotiate? Can you negotiate? What what do people need? What are they going to be looking for from their employers? Well, I think I mean one is I think it's correct that the uh, suspension of the EBA benefits mm-hmm. and everything but arms benefits um, was did. I mean it was a long time coming. I right. Mean, I mean it was there was a. And we saw that it was uh, uh, coming. Uh, so once, and once it was approved, then it was going to move ahead. Till, uh, but the thing is, you didn't see those impacts right away because obviously of the COVID, sure. the first round of COVID that came forth. I do think it it has hit the industry to a degree. I mean, it's not that exports have stopped to Europe. Mm. It's that they are now more expensive. So right. Cambodia has lost a competitive edge compared to as a manufacturing base compared to other countries. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Cambodia is considered. Uh, there, there are a lot. There, it's considered a good manufacturing base. Mm-hmm. There are, there are a lot of brands who've made commitments here. There are. So this is. Uh, it's lost some production, but at the same time, in some ways, it might have gained other production that have might moved from other, uh, other types, other manufacturing countries as well. Right. So, so, so it's hard. So it's hard to sort of, and given the turmoil I, uh, this year, it's very hard, I think, to to disaggregate. The, sure. the impacts of, of the EBA suspension. With, uh, well, I think also what I'm getting from that is that uh, I think a lot of people were under the impression that this country was heading for a transition anyway, mm-hmm. and then COVID's come along and on top of EBA, and it's either caught them short, made them think, how do you see the industry mm-hmm. going forward? Yeah. Well, I think I think there's things about garment industry around the world is that it is transition transition i mean some right. countries it's there for 20 30 years sometimes longer some countries have graduated out of say thailand which is a neighboring country mm-hmm. the, the garment industry there is only uh as a, as a shadow of what it, what it was and it's basically exists now because of either high-end or niche market uh, goods or because of uh migrant labor i mean right. running, yeah i mean so basically uh it's been replaced by many other export sectors in thailand mm-hmm. Cambodia, I think, is I think they want to diversify. Certainly, the government has talked. They've created more special economic zones, but they they have a few obviously limiting factors. One is, if you say, well, we want to export more uh, electronic goods or electrical goods, right? Mm-hmm. That means you're taking them that production from somewhere else, right? right? And then you have to be that. You have to attract investors. Mm-hmm. And now, and and what do you attract them with? So, and I think. But what you don't want to be is just that low wage or lowest wage tier, right? Because that really is an inescapable trap. So I think workers don't really benefit from being from paying yeah. wages. So I think Cambodia has worked up. I mean, it's done a good job on the minimum wage front for workers, the garment workers. There's right. no question. But I also think within the garment sector itself, you've seen a transition from just apparel uh, mm-hmm. to more footwear, and certainly the, what the expansion of the uh, uh, what's called travel goods sector, mm-hmm. um, luggage, things like that, uh, which is a, in some ways a higher value, uh, mm-hmm. can be higher value added production. So I think that's expanded as well, and that's absorbed some of the loss from the uh, apparel sector as well. Right. I mean, but again, that's, that, that may be here for a while, and then it may move on to somewhere else. It's expanded in Cambodia because of... Uh, some trade benefits Cambodia gets from the U.S. government under the Generalized System of Preferences, mm-hmm. which is a system of trade benefits that the U.S. government gives to de- uh, countries, developing countries around the world, right. on certain categories. 
traditionally garments are not in that category of benefits, mm -hmm. but Cambodia was given a special uh, exemption or a special status for travel goods. And that has led to a lot of uh, U.S. manufacturers sourcing travel goods from Cambodia. Okay. What other sectors in the country do you think mm -hmm. uh, could blossom if we can get through? Well, I mean, uh, it was set to expand, uh, certainly uh, types of tourism. Right. Uh, you know, you had new hotels mm -hmm. um, coming here. You certainly had an increase of numbers of tourists from Asia. Yep. But also, I think your you, Cambodia had a, was set to look at the tourism throughout uh, throughout the Cambodia, not just Angkor Wat, but other parts of Cambodia. I mean, obviously, that's they've been hit badly, as have other countries that have tour have tourist yeah. sectors. But those hotels are are there; they may not be going anywhere, so that's that's good. The uh, it's looking, I think, to uh, one potential area could be actually. Uh, along the Thai border, it's created mm. new special economic zones there. Sure, around Poi Pei. Mm. Yeah, and actually to manufacture components that can be used in, say, the Thai auto industry in the eastern seaboard right. and other electronic air goods. There's that potential there, too. I think one, one sector that's been, that uh, Cambodia's been very good at developing over time is the is bicycles. Yeah, yeah. it's done extraordinarily yeah, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> the Chinese had a monopoly on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like but, a, the, but again, a lot of these came through the EU. Pro, uh, the EU. I don't know if they're right. under the everything but arms, but uh, I don't know if that's still. But Taiwanese, the Taiwanese companies here yep. have, have, uh, that are also make some of the, have cornered the market in, in a lot of components and things like right. that. Have, have Electronics. They, and yeah, yeah. But also bicycles. I was thinking bicycles. Well. Okay. Yeah. But, the, yeah, so so there, there are, uh, I think, they, they are trying to um, expand. I mean, I think there's a, a, a as people know, Cambodian workers are, are uh, quick to learn. They're, they're quick to, uh, um, they, they, they're committed. They, but at the same time, they do, uh, and you have new generations that have higher literacy, sure. which I think are important as the education system improves here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still there still is a, a bit of a drag on, on in terms of if you're looking at the profile of, of say, older older Cambodian workers who may not have those uh, those literacy skills. Right. They did uh, spend probably the first half of their lives embroiled in a war. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, through through the it 1990s, has, yes. Sure. It, it has improved, definitely, yeah, yeah, through over the last 20 years. Through, through the 1980s, up until about 91, that's what I meant, sorry. <laughs> I think it would be later than that, too. But anyway, and now you've spent the last 12 months in Australia mm -hmm. uh, stranded with COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, you're back here in Cambodia. You've got a first world response to the disease, which... Uh, the Australians kind of applauding themselves with having uh, zero COVID almost at the moment. How do you compare the response in Australia with uh, a country like Cambodia, which still mm -hmm. ranks among the poorer nations on the planet? Yeah. Uh, look, I think Cambodia, what Cambodia is experiencing now, um, it would have experienced at some point uh, because of the new variants. Mm -hmm. um, they may have escaped the first waves or of COVID, mm -hmm. but the variants that are coming out of the UK, uh, uh, certainly India now, um, right. South Africa, Brazil. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 going to be in, they're going to be in waves. So, I don't think uh, I don't think any country is going to be unscathed. So there's nothing. There's, in a sense, there's nothing wrong with what Cambodia is going through now. It's it's almost a non-preventable cycle. In sure. a way. But the government has responded, I think, in a in a very systematic way for given given the uh, limited health facilities and health system which people know here they've done a, a very good job at, at securing vaccines right. um, both through the COVAX facility 
mm-hmm. the AstraZeneca, but also through the two, the two Chinese vaccines, sure. uh, this relationship with China. And, yeah, 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 and Sinovac, mm-hmm. and they are going, and they're uh, they're promoting a, a a very widespread campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear about uh, they want to vaccinate everybody in Phnom Penh, right? And so I think in a case you get so you compare that to a country like in Australia, which is like all right, they're seemingly sitting pretty now with the relatively few cases. Occasionally, there's an outbreak like you had in Western Australia the other day, but that's they close it down. They can deal with it. But uh, there's no vaccine. There, there's very there's very little uh, uh, vaccine rollout in right. Australia. So they are uh, at the present they're doing well. In the near future, they could actually, and given the the spread of virus variants that are incredibly contagious, mm. uh, they they could rapidly get widespread outbreaks in there. Mm. Yeah. I should, yeah, I, I should just point out that Cambodia has inoculated uh, 1.2 million people. Yeah out of 15 million in the space of just a couple of months, which compared with Laos and Thailand, where they're also getting record numbers of Mm. uh, confirmed COVID-19 cases, they've done extremely well. The other countries have done quite poorly, if I can say that, and not get in trouble. But Cambodia's number, I think they said it's uh, the third best in Asia in terms of inoculation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good response. Given... Cambodia has centralised manufacturing, uh, 300,000-odd garment workers alone. Is that right? Upwards. At a peak, around 800,000. Oh, I beg your pardon. Now, how closely have uh, the Cambodian unions been working with the government in regards to the inoculation program? I mean, it's been very successful in organising that many doses for that many people, it's um, well, I think not the, an easy feat. I think the unions and, I mean, manufacturers and others have been trying to work closely with the government. Um, there's some unions that are more, are, like in a lot of countries, are, are affiliated to uh, the polit- political parties, right. and, and they've been probably working very closely. But I think other unions as well, um, they're educating their members, they're encouraging yeah. their members to go. Also working with the Ministry of Labor, mm-hmm. I think, a majority of our staff got all got um, vaccinated through right. the Ministry of Labor, and when we were there, we saw unions with their members there t- as well. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that's going ahead. You know, uh, Cambodia is a highly politicized country. It's uh, its politics gets covered a lot. There's been issues with Sam Rainsy, uh, the opposition leader abroad, um, calling on people to revolt, which I think is a bit of a stretch of the imagination given what's going on. Have you seen sort of? less politics at the moment or kind of people in the bureaucracy and the government and the unions I guess as well as saying like uh, this is what's happening with COVID-19 is uh, bigger than the sort of day-to-day politics and uh, we need to get on with it and try and fix this. Um, I think yeah I I think people do are the matter at hand I mean I Mm. think everybody I think workers want to work they want Yep. Factories were reopened, but at the same time, they want safe workplaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and I know that's a that's a, been a priority of the government and manufacturers to get factories up and running. Even now, you heard of uh, that uh, factories in the quote unquote yellow zones in yep. Phnom Penh, which are considered yep. relatively safe. Whatever, still a curfew, but yeah. The government. The government. Just to point out, the, the government's divided Phnom Penh into uh, yellow, orange, and red zones. Red zone being 
the hottest zone where COVID outbreaks have been detected, then orange and then yellow, and people are living under different types of restrictions yeah. depending on what zone they're in. Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, so I think those, so that it said factories in these yellow zones could reopen. Mm-hmm. Workers have had vaccines, and uh, there's so safe social distancing and workstations within these factories. I know it's a it's a cost, but it's also uh, something that I think has to be done. So uh, as as they go forward, I think there's ways, uh, and I think there's an opportunity too to think about how you can create better working environments. As you know, in Cambodia, uh, you have some very good factories here. Companies have invested a lot of money, and you have a lot of fly by night factories you know basically Cambodia pe- is notorious yeah, 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 for them. basically people here for tax benefits right. and there's a shit there's a shed or big sheds and works you know works the rows of sewing machines yep. and a go- but really nothing in terms of investing in very good and state-of-the-art practices in terms of the garment sector or whatever and i think this is possibly an opportunity to um, maybe revisit that hopefully that um if factories have closed, it's maybe those that are are not the best employers, and and maybe the best employers will stay on, and you'll have a at the end of the day have a you may have a net loss of jobs, right. but at the same time, you might uh, those that are staying are, are will be better jobs. So what we're kind of looking at, I guess, is uh, an enforced rationalisation of the industry brought about. By COVID. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is speculation. We have to see sure. the, the rollout, but that would be one one area. But I think right now people are just focused on getting people vaccinated, making mm-hmm. sure that uh, garment factories are safe, making sure garment fa- garment workers themselves are addressing their, their, their current needs, which is, uh, uh, I think it's a, the economic hardship, as we've talked about before, is, is their front right. and center, you know. Right. And of course, hotels and tourism are uh, another big employer yeah. Yeah. in the country. How concerned are you about that sector? Uh, Ankle Watts closed. They're talking about maybe reopening it for foreigners in the fourth quarter of this year. What are your chief concerns there? Well, it's, it's a one, I mean, one is, is a, there's a loss of human resources. I mean, I mean, one of the things about mm-hmm. hotel the tourism and what makes it a, uh, a vibrant sector in any country is there are the people working in it. You know, right. they, whether it's English, not just English skills, but uh, but the soft skills, the social skills, yep. problem solving, dealing with the whole the tourists and things. Uh, so we hate to see a, a loss of people from that. Uh, the other thing is is that even if tourism comes back, you have the whole issue about quarantine. What do you do about that? Right. I mean, do you have maybe there'll be like inoculation or vaccine passports as they talk about? Yep. But still. Um, and Cambodia I mean, also, yeah. it's a little harder here because uh, uh, there are no uh, long-distance flights and most mm. people, if you're coming from Europe, Australia, yeah, America, yeah. New Zealand, uh, you need to get a second flight into the country, which just or, adds to the cost yeah. and adds to the quarantine. Yeah, well, also, but also you have a, 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 the increasing numbers of, of uh, Asian tourists. So you do right. have, uh, I would say, flights from Korea, Japan, mm. but certainly China. Yeah, uh, and so, but then you want have con- you have to have controls. You have to have you know uh, people coming in. Yeah, you want greater numbers of tourists coming when the things open up. But at the same time, you obviously want to maintain safety. You don't want COVID outbreaks. Right. Uh, that would then shut things down again. And I think that the worst thing has happened that it can happen is you open up too soon, mm-hmm. and then you have to close again. And right. it's a, that, I think that's really hard for uh, you see that around the world like restaurants and, and other venues that they don't want to. 
reopen and close again. That's even right. harder than not. That's even harder than not than, than not opening. You know. Sure. And then you get staffing issues. Yeah. And uh, the government's been uh, quite appropriately has been urging Cambodians basically to return to their villages where they're largely self-sufficient. Uh, they live off the land, mm-hmm. grow rice, catch fish. Yeah. Uh, they, they, in fact, they can look after themselves better than most Westerners, I yeah. would argue. How hard is it going to be to get people to want to come back to Phnom Penh? Well, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's one thing. Well, it's one thing we've been actually working with unions uh, yep. to actually maintain contact with their members mm-hmm. and get information out to them, continue to, to liaise with them. Um, we are those hotels with unions often were able to bargain for. Uh, various settlements or suspension wages or, or various benefits right. that can keep them going. Right. So I think in some of the larger hotels and things, I think those workers are probably better off than, say, non, non-union hotels where basically they've been let go or they don't have, yep. they can't access uh, suspension wages, etc. You know, there are informal networks here. There's a, And obviously with the uh, smartphone use around the country, I mean, people keep in touch, but... Yep. You know, you hope that, uh, you know, hotels and, and other uh, tourist-related industry sectors, because it is, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a wide sector. I mean, if you think about all the support services, right. everything, that, that they do, uh, the, those jobs are there for people, you know, provided that um, workplace reopens, you know. Right. I mean, it's extraordinary. I was in Siem Reap recently. Uh, Angkor Wat was deserted. We were actually up yeah. in the Kula Mountains. Uh, it was a fantastic trip. There was no one else up there but us in the mountains, which was fantastic. But uh, Sam Reaper's looking very sad. Yeah. You know, he, everything's closed. They've yeah. gone into their own lockdowns there. It's, I, I guess it's a guessing game over how long this can last. Yeah. But um, assuming the um, vaccination rollout mm-hmm. goes as planned, which means a herd community of perhaps 10 million yeah. people by the end of the year, how do you see 2022 shaping up? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, one is, is you hope that there's a, the domestic sector comes back. You always want a domestic economy. Right. You, you want things to emanate from not just foreign investment or foreign tourists. You also want domestic tourists. You want domestic consumers, Local et cetera. Local yeah. growth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because basically that's your most sustainable and long-term group. Is like, so right. ho- hopefully people will be able to travel more mm-hmm. uh, within Cambodia. Um, hopefully there's a... If other ASEAN countries can, can can learn from Cambodia or get or get their vaccines in order right. and, and policies and testing and things, then uh, maybe there can be like uh, travel bubbles, etc. Yep. But again, there has to be you know it only takes a few breakdowns of a system that you know, that, uh, that yeah then you can erase all the progress. So right, it's Back a to square yeah, one yeah, kind so, of thing. Yeah, yeah I, there was an ADB report. Asian Development Bank came out the other day. Uh, suggesting that uh, the Cambodian economy will recover in 2021 and, uh, and this accelerate, year, this year. yeah, and accelerate next year. Yeah. I think that was being a bit hopeful. Um, admittedly, the work was probably done before the latest outbreak, yeah. but the outbreak had been going for yeah. a month before they released the report. Do you think they were being a little too optimistic? Probably because I think the impacts on the, you know because you have immediate impacts and then you have long middle term and long sure. term, yeah. and I think the middle term impacts still have to be will have to shake out a bit. So I think certainly people can go back to work. Uh, maybe garment factories will reopen. Maybe the hotels and well, opening 
via, via, the, and then, via the restrictions and right. things. But people are still are going to be, they're going to have accumulated debts. Think about the rent payments that may have been put off, yeah. uh, other types of payments. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, they may not have, people may not have a lot of, uh, you know, whatever spending money they may have had, obviously, uh, in a normal year. Sure. It can be used up very quickly, just, you know. Yeah. Paying back, and that won't be splurging. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a, that's a that's also sort of that's one of the effects that's going to have to, you know, what to see, you know. Right. Okay. People are going to have to deal with that in yeah. the short term. So maybe twenty twenty. No, well, you, you hope well, maybe four the, five. <laughs> no, well, you hope the last quarter of this year is better. You hope that next year, going into next year, mm. you know, people want to move around. There's a natural movement in, in the country. There's internal migration. There are right. people. Going from villages back to cities and urban or industrial areas, etc., is it is that natural flow, right? Yeah. There's also uh, uh, the importance of cross-border migration. I mean, there's the jobs in Thailand. Yep. Are very important for, for a lot of communities in 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 Cambodia. And right. So that, I think it was 120,000 people came back. Yeah. From and, Thailand. And, and that money's not coming in as remittances, right? Sure. And those communities are reliant. You have not. You have obviously a lot of flow on the Vietnamese border too, and maybe that's a border that may, given if Cambodia and Vietnam can uh, reach agreements, maybe that might border might be open sooner than the Thai border. So sure. Like, who knows? Perhaps a travel bubble between uh, here, there, and uh, maybe Laos. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. That's a, that's a that's a policymakers, but you're hoping that that happens. I mean, you see Australia, New Zealand. They're talking about Australia and Singapore to a degree. Yeah, yeah. And Singapore so, and Hong Kong yeah. is being discussed yeah. as well. So, so yeah, we'll see how these quarters. I mean, I mean, obviously there's travel ongoing, but nobody wants to spend a lot of time in quarantine. You know, having indeed, no one's yeah, going yeah, to spend yeah. a month in quarantine. Yeah, well, yeah. both ends for yeah, two yeah, weeks, yeah. uh, for a week on the beach. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's a real disincentive, I guess, for, okay. for a lot of people. All right, uh, Vim Conklin. Look, uh, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, always good to chat, and uh, hopefully things will improve. All right. Thank you. Cheers.